This is the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast Show, hosted by Bo Finley and Brant Walker. Welcome back to the Fat Boys Fantasy Podcast. We know we had an off week last week. Uh, we super busy, but we're back at you. We're going to get another episode out. Uh, we're going to try to stay consistent. Draft season's coming up. Maybe throw out a couple extra episodes during the week, and we'll make sure we're on top of it. Questions being answered on the page. But, as always, Bo and Brant coming at you. We're going to get back on track here. We want to talk about some uh, uh, preseason uh, injuries and news and guys maybe to look out for today. And then we're also going to talk about some league winners that you can draft later, uh, anywhere after the seventh round, um, guys that could possibly really step up and, and, and take over their lead role or something else. Um, and then we're going to talk about uh, yesterday, We, uh, me and Bo got together with, with uh, Jason, and uh, we sat down and, and built up a, a draft prep for a big money league that we're getting into. So we're, we're going to break down some of that stuff on, on how we got involved and, and how we all came to agreeance of our rankings and everything. Um, you got anything you want to put out before we jump into it? Yeah, you know, uh, again, back to missing last week. Uh, traveling for work sucks. Uh, definitely, it doesn't make it easy when you've got a you know a wife and, and kids, young kids at home. Everybody's kind of pulling at you for time. Uh, it, it stinks that sometimes you got to put the passion on the back burner. Uh, but you know, of course, fantasy football being the the passion. Uh, but <clears throat> anyway, we're back. Doesn't look like there's going to be any uh, more times being missed uh in the near future so we're excited to be back and, and ready to put out another informa- informative cast uh to help you guys out now that we're in draft season absolutely um let's let's get into some of these injuries that have happened uh, mainly last night two big ones happened uh we'll start with the smaller of the two adam troutman everyone's breakout tight end this year um one of my guys i i've gone out and i've drafted in almost every draft we've had mock drafts everything else he was carted off of monday night's game last night um, looks the news coming out that he avoided serious injury. Um, he is going to, uh, seek other, um, seek his timeline from a specialist. So we're still waiting on other news coming out. And, um, I'm gonna let you hit the other big one that happened last well, night. I know it was one of your favorite guys coming out. Well, I'm going to speak on the Troutman thing a little bit. This one's concerning to me if he misses any time at all, because, uh, if you've been following the new Orleans saints at all, Marquez Calloway's bursting out onto the seams. Mm-hmm. Uh, looked great with Winston last night. Winston threw for like 124 yards, and all but 19 of them were to uh, uh, Callaway. Uh, and Callaway also had two touchdown snags, and one of them was a one-handed grab falling down in the end zone. He looked every bit the part of a wide receiver one. Um, which and not all, just running slants. Right, <laughs> which we already know that team has a wide receiver one in Michael Thomas. No disrespect to Michael Thomas whenever, if and when he ever comes back. Uh, but if Troutman misses anywhere near the same amount of time that Michael Thomas does, uh, you're going to be looking at a guy who everybody was hopeful to be the number two passing role and that pass catching role in that team to now possibly the third, fourth uh, behind Kittle and Callaway, and then obviously Mike Thomas when he comes back. So Troutman is going from a possible breakout candidate to uh, possibly being overdrafted if, if in drafts that have already happened and possibly end up being a bust candidate. Yes. So that's definitely something to keep your eye on. Before we hit that next injury, one guy you guys can look at um, right now if you're in deeper leagues or you've already drafted it and, and all the big tight ends are gone, if Troutman misses any time, Nick Vanette's really the only other name on their tight end roster. Uh, Nick Vanette's, uh he played in Seattle for a little bit. He played, I believe, in Pittsburgh. Something inside of me screamed Cincinnati. 
I mean, he may have been there too. He's he's been a traveling man, um, but he he is a veteran. He does know his role. Um, he's a guy that can step in and maybe grab, especially with Michael Thomas missing time and then Troutman missing time. He's a guy that can probably grab, go out and grab a couple balls during the game. Um, so he's a guy that maybe if in a deeper leagues you guys may need to look at. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, back to the other injury. Uh, you know, Travis Etienne last night uh, came down with a foot injury that they're saying is the Lens Frank injury. Uh, put him on the season-ending IR. Uh, that's it's extremely depressing. High, uh, you know, high upside rookie uh, running back coming in there, uh, second pick overall for Urban Meyer in his NFL tenure, uh, and uh, it's not something you want to see, especially to a guy who's pretty explosive, uses the jump cut so hot well to his advantage. Um, you'd almost think that you know that this could be a, a career long uh, nagging injury, uh, but it does boost James Robinson right back into the discussion. I know everybody was. You know, on all the pages, the fantasy pages I'm on and things like that, everybody's saying, who's the next James Robinson? Who's the next James? Well, it's probably James Robinson again. You know, his ADP is probably so low right now because all the hype on ETN. Um, and now you're looking at a guy who has the, the possible upside to be an RB1 again by season's end. Definitely. Um, another guy is uh, Carlos Hyde. He played with Urban Meyer back in college. Um, he's a guy that I don't think he's going to handle a huge role, but he's definitely a guy that maybe stash a little, a little later in your draft. You could grab Robinson, maybe grab Hyde later on. He's a guy – I mean, there's really nothing else behind those two in that backfield. So if something were to happen to Robinson, Hyde's going to step into a huge role, and he handled handled himself just fine in Seattle last year with when Carson went down and Penny went down. Or if you're one of those people who has done your draft already this 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 offseason and you grab ETN, uh, it might be worth running to the waivers and grabbing Carlos Hyde just to have – some part of that offense, so you're not losing your your you know running back that you had uh, for the entire season. Because we all know how hard it is to come back from you know losing a running back to the season. It, it, it seems like you're always playing catch up afterwards. So definitely something to keep your eye on in the monitor there. Plus side is if you draft the James Robinson, you probably draft him as your third or fourth running back, which is roughly where he probably would have finished. You probably got a low end RB one, high end RB two now. Because I mean we we saw what kind of load he can handle last year. Yeah, most definitely. Um, the other good side with ETN going down this early, I mean, I'm not going to say it's a good side. He's going to get all year to recover. Um, and they're probably odds of Jacksonville being in playoff contention are probably slim. So, yeah, he's probably – he is done for the year. They put him on the season-ending IR. So, he gets that whole time to, to um, heal. So, he'll still be good for fan or for dynasties, dynasty squads. Um, another one that, that's a little concerning to me – is Ceh uh, leaving practice um, with a sprained right ankle, and they said it wasn't a high ankle sprain, but they said it was more on the inside of the ankle. Um, with that type of injury, he could be looking at it, it lingering all year. He could be—I mean, he could miss it just a couple weeks, or he could come right back. And but um, this this is another one that scares me a little bit too because. Um, Andy Reid's got a decent enough offense outside of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, <laughs> that he can be very, very patient with him coming back. No need, no need to rush him. So you could see him missing significant time if it's something that they think might linger. They might, you know, just rather have him for playoff time uh, and, and let, you know, Daryl Williams or Jarek McKinnon uh, to take the bulk of the season. Uh, and again, uh, I saw an inter- interview with Tom Brady the other day that kind of put this all in his perspective. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. Uh, you can debate it if you don't like him, but it's still facts or, or facts, stats or stats. Uh, 
Matt Castle when he was his backup in New England. Uh, <clears throat> Tom Brady would run 95% of the practice with the first team reps. They'd let Matt Castle get a few reps. And uh, whenever uh, they'd pull Tom Brady out to put Matt Castle in, Tom Brady would run himself back on the field and take that snap back over instead of letting Matt Castle do it. And Matt Castle finally got a chance to ask him, you know, what's that about? Tom Brady said, everybody in this league is so darn good, you don't want anybody taking your reps because you never know when you may lose that <laughs> job. Very similar to the way that uh, Tom Brady took it from uh, – uh, oh, my Lord. I'm drawing a blank too, bud. Uh, Bledsoe, Drew Bledsoe. Thank you. I knew it would come to me sooner rather than later. Uh, but so, again, you know, um, it's the National Football League. Jarek McKinnon, you know, he's been very highly touted his whole career. Never been able to put it on the field to prove it because he's always hurt. You know, you think back to the time back when he was the backup and hand, the handcuff in Minnesota, he was a stud. Uh, and then, again, you've got Daryl Williams, who he's not going to be a three-down back, but he could be just fine. And so if you're a Clyde edwards Elaire owner, you might want to snake one of those guys, pick them up just to have them as some kind of taxi – luxury kind of uh, a, a player there. Definitely, definitely. Um, one of the other injury news, it looks like Daryl Henderson left practice with a thumb injury. Doesn't look like anything too concerning. Um, he may miss a few practices probably the rest of the preseason. I don't think it's much to sweat about. Um, there's really nothing else to put out with that. Uh, we've already talked about the other two in that backfield. The only other bit of news that I really, really want to put out is – San Francisco and New Orleans have yet to name a starting quarterback. Uh, Carolina hinted – or not Carolina. New England hinted at who the starter is. They've Has been, Jacksonville named theirs officially? I don't think they've named it officially, but are we really classifying that as a competition? Um, I know I'm a Minshew believer. I love Gardner Minshew, um, but I'm sorry, bud. I don't think I they're going to – I think you're gonna, more of a fan of the Jorts than uh, anything else. That too, and he's you know, played for Washington State, so um, – you know, uh, the, let's talk, the San Francisco one a little bit is – it's silly to me. Jimmy Garoppolo led that team to a Super Bowl two, just two short years ago. Last year, the entire team was depleted on, on injuries offensively, on the offensive line, the backfield. Kittle missed a significant amount of time. Debo Samuel missed time. Basically, the whole team. Ayuk missed time, too. Garoppolo missed time. The whole team was beat up on the offensive side of the ball. And then you go over to the defensive side of the ball, and it was even worse. I mean, we had a week last year where uh, – here we go with names. Re, uh, Reggie. Uh, <laughs> Reggie James. Reggie James was the best wideout in town. Again, who? I believe you started I that week. I did start him that week. 35 <laughs> points. I, uh, yes. You were depleted that week. It was week. a very gutsy play call, but, you know, due to COVID. But anyway, uh, I'm, I'm a Trey Lance believer. I drafted Trey Lance in our dynasty uh, rookie draft this year. think Trey Lance going to have a very bright future. There's no reason he should be the starter week one, though. No reason. Should be Jimmy Garoppolo. I and Trey Lance will get his opportunity this year because Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy in his career either. But he's earned the right to be the week one starter. Now you talked about New Orleans a little bit. That one's a completely different ballgame. Both quarterbacks are looking great in preseason there in Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston's been a starter. He started 70, 70 games in the National Football League. Uh, and the most recent one was what, like 4,500 yards passing and 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Where he finishes – Quarterback nine. Yeah, in fantasy. So for fantasy aspects, that's great. For a team record, that's uh, not doing yourself any favors. You never want to have a one-to-one -one quarterback touchdown to interception ratio. Now you look at Taysom Hill, not really a passer, but again, uh, prior to this year, he's never been the guy. So he was always uh, kind of looked at uh, as a, a specialist, a guy who um, returned punts and things of that nature, ran wildcat. 
So he was bulky. He's trimmed down this year. He's he's worked more as a as a passing quarterback than he has a gadget guy. So he's lost some weight, some muscle, and things of that nature. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that shakes out for fantasy aspects. I kind of want it to be Jameis Winston. I think Winston's probably a little bit better for you know your Alvin Kamara's, uh, your Marquez Callaways, your your uh, Michael Thomas when he comes back. Whereas uh, Taysom Hill is going to be good if you own Taysom Hill. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's at least my two cents on that subject. It's definitely – I feel the same way. I mean, it, it, with Taysom Hill, it's going to be a toss-up. Is he going to use his legs this week? Is he maybe going to throw some short passes? Winston, you know he's going to – he has no problem launching that ball. And, and we saw this week, like you said, that, I mean, 124 yards, two touchdowns, and how many – 123 yards, 104 of those went to – uh, okay. Marquez Callaway, I think it was six receptions for two touchdowns. I yeah. believe that's correct. I believe. Um, and, and he threw, what, 12 total I think t- attempts? I think there's like four other passes that were completed for 19 yards. So, I mean, Winston showed that he has no problems launching the ball. Um, for fantasy, we hope Winston, unless you're a Taysom Hill owner, then obviously you're hoping for Hill. Absolutely. Um, let's get into some of these guys uh, that could possibly win you your leagues. Or guys that you could target late in drafts if you missed out on the, the big names. Um, um, we're going to start with running backs because running backs seem to, after the second round, they're just kind of, blah. You're taking stabs at a lot of them. You're hoping they take over. One guy that's really stood out to me, and I know he stood out to you, you put him out as you're my guy. He's got a seventh-round ADP. is Damian Harris for, for New England. I get it. I, I understand Stevenson has had this phenomenal preseason, but let's remember – He's getting put in in the second half when the fourth, fifth, and all the cut guys are coming in. Um, Stevenson, I don't think he's going to take much work from Harris. Maybe, maybe goal line, but I, I don't think he will. And, I mean, he played – Damian Harris played in, in eight out of the 17 snaps against the Eagles in week two of the preseason. 17 snaps for the starters. He played in eight of them. In those eight snaps, he got six touches. He got six carries. So, I mean, the preseason shows us anything that that he should be in line to be the RB1 there in New England without any other issues. Um, Nobody really behind him. Obviously, you got your James Whites and everything else uh, there in the backfield, but he's in perfect position to be that number one back in New England and and carry them on the first and second down. so I mean, he could end up as a as a, as a middle of the road RB two, um, especially if Matt Jones takes over. So I mean, it, Damian Harris is one name that really sticks out to me. Being a seventh round ADP is just is a steal to me. Um, the other one that I have right now, well, yeah, go ahead. Damian Harris to me, his entire value is tied to who the quarterback is. If Cam Newton's the starting quarterback, Damian Harris is is roughly an RB five, RB four. RB4 upside because he's going to get a lot of those goal line touchdowns uh, yoked by Newton. If Mac Jones is a starter, now you're talking about an RB3 with an RB2 upside uh, because he will get those touchdowns. Now he's not going to catch a lot of passes. Uh, He's not going to have any breakaway speed. Um, Sure, he may make some guys miss, but most of that's going to be around the line of scrimmage. He's probably going to be that guy that gets carry five yards. is going to be exciting for you. But if Mac Jones is named the starter and you own Damian Harris, so it's a gamble early, but if Mac Jones is named the starter halfway through the season, now you have an RB potential RB two sitting on your bench where other guys may have missed that. Oh, definitely, definitely. You want to go ahead and hit your first running back? I know it ties into the same team. With yeah. Us. So my first running back is uh, James White. He's got a current ADP of 
of the 14th, third pick in the 14th round. Uh, again, this is another one that's very, in my mind, is it is and it isn't contingent on who the starting quarterback is. Um, we all know that the Cam Newton loves to throw the ball to his wife, his running backs. Go back to what he did in Carolina. He loved Christian McCaffrey. Who wouldn't? Uh, again, I, I I don't want to be blasphemous and compare James White to Christian McCaffrey. That's not the intention. But James White is a phenomenal pass catching back. He's been that way his whole career. Uh, and again, he's going in the 14th round. So this is very much a, a, a part, a spot in most drafts where people are throwing darts at the board, hoping they stick. Where you could throw a dart at this spot and it's going to stick. He's going to have catches. Now, you, let's talk about it for a minute. Let's, let's talk about James White. If James White has 50 catches on the season, that's 50 points already, not talking about what he does with it. He's going to have a couple touchdowns. Mm-hmm. He's going to have some yards. He's going to so get some carries, too. Yeah, definitely will have some carries, too. So this is a guy that if uh, if Cam Newton starts all 17 games, this is a guy that's going to have some value, especially in the 14th round. I would venture to guess that James White will finish the season somewhere around 120, 130 fantasy points. Okay? Okay. Uh, in the 14th round, you're hard-pressed to find that in a lot of other places. Most people will be picking up defenses, kickers, whatever the case may be. So we talk about James White with Cam Newton. Now you, you put Mac Jones in, and again, Walker, we've had this conversation on the cast numerous times. What do rookie quarterbacks love? Their tight ends, ends and running backs. backs. Now, when you look at that roster, Sony Michelle can catch the ball a little bit. We don't really know about Ramondre Stevenson a whole lot. We know Damian Harris can't. And we know James White's fantastic at it. James White could go from 50 possible receptions with Cam Newton to 70 with with uh, uh, Mac Jones. If he if Mac Jones is the starter early rather than later, James White to me is a guy that I I'd, I'd feel comfortable taking in like the 10th or 11th round, let alone the 14th. Absolutely, uh, and, and like you said, a, a guy like that, you throwing a dart, you're already saying regardless of who the quarterback is, he's going to have some value, great bye week value for you, great chip, trade chip value. Uh, it, later in the in the year, when you you find out, you know, okay, this guy needs a a, a bye week yes. fill in. Let's see what we can work here. He's a great chip to throw in anywhere. His upside is 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 amazing too. We've seen what he can do. Um, so, <laughs> excuse me. So my next guy is um, um, I didn't go as deep as you. Uh, my next guy here is is uh, Trey Sermon. He's going off the board as the thirty first running back overall. I believe it was the seventh or eighth round ADP. Um, this guy, he's going to take over the lead role sooner rather than later there in, in San Francisco. I have my doubts about him, but, I mean, in that offense, it's a zone read offense. He'll be perfectly fine, I think. Um, we all know uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. is already hurt. Raheem Mostert's going to get hurt because he always does. Raheem Mostert has never had more than 138 carries, 39 carries in his entire career. He's also 29 years old. Trey Sermon is going to take that lead role. And let's just talk about his playoff schedule. So even if you don't use him going into, let's talk about his playoff schedule. Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston. You don't get much better for a running back in the playoffs. He's got a better playoff schedule than most of your high-end RBs. Now, I'm not saying, no, go out and grab him over them. But he's going to have that lead role. This guy could win you a championship in the playoffs. If he gets that lead role, you slide him into your flex. This easy of a, a schedule, he's got a, he's got the potential to go off and finish as an RB1 through those three weeks. So in the top ten, 
Yeah, there's one name though that you didn't mention there in that backfield that I that I think is worth mentioning a little bit, and that's Elijah Mitchell. Uh, Elijah Mitchell was also drafted in the same draft, uh, just three rounds three rounds difference. Yeah, it was six, so yeah, three rounds dis- difference. Now he hasn't been playing in the preseason. Uh, he's had some minor nicks in, in in camp and stuff. But this is another uh, when when you talk about. The San Francisco backfield, the one thing we know is there's constant change. Again, Tevin Coleman's gone. Couldn't stay healthy. Jarrett McKinnon's gone. Couldn't stay healthy. Raheem Mostert's still there. Can't stay healthy. Jeff Wilson Jr. Can't stay healthy. Uh, Hasty, I don't even know what's going on with him anymore at this point. I don't even know if he's on the roster. He may not be. So then you you talk about Trey Sermon, uh, who I know you like to bring this up, Walker. I can't believe you didn't do it right now. He was run out of his own college by Ramondre Stevenson. Elijah Mitchell, they're two different two different guys. It's more it's more of a uh, Trey Sermon's a, a, a Devonta Freeman type, and and Elijah Mitchell would be his Tevin Coleman. If you think back to when those two were both extremely successful that year in Atlanta. Um, so, if, but but again, we talk about the revolving door, fresh legs aspect that Kyle Shanahan likes to take, and uh, if if Trey Sermon starts slow or there is any kind of injuries. Elijah Mitchell is another name that's going to get thrown in. Now, if you're asking me which one I'd rather want to own, especially come playoff time, it's going to be Trey Sermon. But we also have to keep in mind whether Trey Lance is starting or, or Jimmy Garoppolo, there's some talented, talented mouths to feed on that pass catching too. So Mitchell's probably, again, a little bit less of a value due to that fact. With, uh, with Mitchell, the one thing I love is go back to Louisiana Lafayette stats. He already ran in a committee there and showed how much he can – be a factor in a committee. So he's already used to playing the 1B to a 1A. So he does have very, very high potential, especially if everybody else on that roster winds up hurting. It's these two left. You're going to see that 1A, 1B. Both of them come playoff time. Amazing. I mean, you're starting one of the, one of these two in the flex, and they, they easily yeah. could help you move from just making playoffs to contending for contending for that title. Um so my next running back to move a, lo- a little bit along, I know we've had this conversation before about, you know, teams we really don't want to own any stake in, and this is very much one of those teams. But it's it's the, the, the Houston Texans backfield. No, I'm not talking about David Johnson. I'm talking about Philip Lindsay. Philip Lindsay's only 27 years of old age. He's going into his fourth season in the NFL. Now, last year he was hurt a little bit, so that changed things, and Melvin Gordon came to town. But his rookie year and his second year in the league, he finished in the top 20 in, in both years in standard and PPR. He's been over 1,000 yards both the two seasons where he was called upon as a starter. He had uh, double-digit touchdowns his rookie year. This is a guy that he's going at the second pick in the 10th round. If you're getting a guy in the second pick in the 10th round, he catches the ball extremely well out of the backfield. Um, he's had 48 reception, or, uh, 47, 48 and then 14 targets last year. But, again, last year he only played in uh, 11 games. Uh, but he, he he's had 196 and 241 yards receiving. He averages four yards a catch uh, or five yards, excuse me, 5.6 yards a catch he averages. So this is a guy that, again, Houston's going to be trailing if Deshaun Watson's not playing, which it doesn't look like he's going to be. Who knows what it's going to be there. But I, I just think that at the, at the second pick in the 10th round, if you're giving me a guy who has the possible upside to be an RB1 in, a, in any offense, it's one I'm willing to take a gamble on. Not to mention during the preseason, Philip Lindsay's been playing the first and second down uh, back with all the starters as David Johnson's been coming in for the third. 
Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews, Mark Ingram's been sprinkled in a little bit. So definitely Lindsay, Lindsay looks to be the clear first and second down back there. And his stats don't lie. He's proven to be a three down back. I mean, yeah. Uh, what was it? Two years ago, he was by himself in Denver. And I mean, he finished what undrafted. He finished top. He finished 12, 12. So top, top 12. So technically an RB one. Yeah. Um, so he showed that he could do it, and then Melvin Gordon came to town and and, and and brought his hype way down, same way that ETN did with James Robinson. But I mean, Lindsey has proven that he he can do it. He he's a guy that works hard. He came, he, like I said, he came out as an undrafted rookie, and now he done signed with a second team already. So shows that his work that work ethic will get him far. Um, I'm gonna jump into another guy off that team, another team that everyone seems to be avoiding. This guy's not a guy that I'm avoiding with this team. I'm going with Brandon Cooks. He's being drafted as the 41st wide receiver off the board, the 11th round ADP. He's the easy number one target in Houston, regardless of who the quarterback is. They're going to have to throw the ball, and I understand he's got the concussion history and everything else, but I, he's too talented not to be not to be drafted as a wide receiver three. I mean – Regard, like you said, it doesn't sound like Deshaun Watson's playing. Nothing's been ruled out yet. I understand that. Tyrod Taylor, he's been a star. He's been a starter in the NFL. He was scheduled to be the starter last year before an unfortunate incident. Um, so I mean, even with Tyrod Taylor throwing, Brandon Cook should have no problem reaching the the thousand yard mark. I wouldn't, as long as he can stay healthy. We do know his concussion history. This guy's easily a wide receiver three in my book. I don't know about you, but being drafted as 41, that's a steal. Even if he finishes as a wide receiver three, he's going to outdo that AP. So he's being drafted as a wide receiver five at the 40, 41st uh, wide receiver off the board. And uh, you're talking about a team that's going to play from behind in, uh, let me think, uh, 17 out of 17 games probably. Um, and, yes, the quarterback play is not going to be good. And, yes, he's going to draw the number one corner. Uh, but you're still talking about a huge, huge chunk of volume there, uh, especially when you consider that they're playing from behind. Um, if, and if Deshaun Watson somehow does get to play this year, uh, my goodness, the volume or the value just goes immediately up. So again, if you're we're we're talking we're we're talking about guys that are being drafted in dart throw rounds, okay? If you're talking about a wide receiver one on any team in a dart throw round, how do you not how do you not jump at the bit to do that? Um, and I, I, I just think um, that Brandon Cooks, uh, I, I would venture to guess he's going to have over 100 targets this year. Uh, so you're getting somebody who's getting over 100 targets in the 11th round. That's that's ludicrous. Um, and I, I would venture to guess his drafts start trickling in. He'll start to go up in ADP a little bit. But. So he's been in the league for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years. He's going into his eighth year. He's played on one, two, three, four different teams. Only times he hasn't eclipsed the 1,000-yard mark twice in his career, once being his rookie year and once being uh, his second year with the L.A. Rams where he played in 14 games. Other than that, he played in 16 games uh, in New Orleans and New England. First year he played in 16, played in 15 games last year. So he finished every single year he's finished inside minus his rookie year and then the second year with the Rams. He finished inside the top 20 in PPR leagues, inside the top 20 in standard leagues in five out of seven years. Only Those were the only two years he didn't receive over 100 
110 targets. I, I don't see where the downfall for this guy is. I understand the concussions is a concern. I'm sorry, you give me a guy in the 11th round that scored over 200 fantasy points and almost every year, I'm going to take that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I would be as well. Uh, Brandon Cooks is a name that I'm definitely interested in. Uh, let's talk about uh, one of his former running mates here uh, in, in, uh, from Houston who's had a change of scenery in, in uh, Will Fuller. Um, Will Fuller's ADP is, is tremendous, is falling tremendously. Um, he's being drafted in the 10th round, third pick in the 10th round, so right behind Philip Lindsay. Uh, he's, yes, he is suspended for the first week of the season, uh, but he was signed to go play with Tua, who is one of the greatest deep ball threats uh, in college football history. Uh, he was signed to come there and help Tua out. Uh, him and Jalen Waddle are going to get a lot of downfield action. Uh, and Will Fuller, uh, last year prior to his suspension, was a top eight fantasy wide receiver. Um, so, yeah, I, I he's never played more than 14 games, which was his rookie year. So this is very much a boomer bust. But if you happen to start him on a week when he's playing, it's usually a pretty good, pretty good thing for you. Um, so we're definitely – that's definitely a name. I own him in Dynasty. I'm excited as heck for week two to be able to see what he's got with Tua. You're not going to get to see him play very much in the preseason because he's dealing with those injuries and he's got that week one suspension. But definitely a guy I'm keeping my eye on. So, yeah, Will Fuller, Will Fuller coming into that system with Tua is going to be great. We saw last year that Will Fuller can work the middle of the field and get plenty of a, a – he can work the middle of the field and he gets plenty of work in the middle, so he could really open up that offense for Tua. He's back out. He's running routes. He's, he's, been, he's been cleared for, for route running and, and everything else, so he's getting his preseason in now. Um, obviously, he misses week one, so that gives him a little bit, a little bit more time to, to get ready and everything. I, week two, three, I probably would see how that chemistry goes. But as soon as that chemistry starts, it's it's not going to slow down unless he decides to slow down with his injury. Um, so, yeah, Will Fuller is definitely an upside guy at, in the round 10. Uh, my next guy here is is a guy I owned a lot last year. Um, I actually had to start him with, with the injuries that I had at wide receiver. Jacoby Myers is being drafted in the 15th round. I don't know if you guys have watched any New England games, but he's been far far and away the best wide receiver on that team. Um, he's easily the number number one wide receiver in New England. So if Mac Jones starts, he's going to be a favorite target. Cam Newton's looked a lot better throwing the ball. This guy's being drafted in the 15th round. If you're not even in a 15-round draft, this guy is on your waivers. This guy could – he had zero touchdowns last year and still had a very productive season. Um, with Cam Newton, who only threw eight, so eight touchdowns. Jacoby Myers, a guy that could easily slowly sneak into that wide receiver two talk by the end of the year. But I'm not going to say he's going to he's he's not going to come out and blow minds away like Justin Jefferson did last year or anything else. But this guy's easily a guy that could easily slide into a flex play that you're picking up off waivers or you're drafting in the second to last round. He's he's not a guy that I'm willing to sleep on. I just went out, I I just went out and re-picked him up in Dynasty because he is a guy that I, I'm probably going to have to use with the injuries that I've suffered already. Yeah, I mean, uh, seems like we're on the uh, New England love train uh, today. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you, you look at that wide receiving core, which is Nikhil Harry, um, 
uh, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Jacoby. There's not a lot of talent on there. Uh, and Jacoby Myers was probably arguably the best that was there last year as well. So um, whether it's Cam Newton or Mac Jones, Cam Newton, he's got a little bit of chemistry already established. You would think Cam Newton knows he can trust him. Uh, and then like Mac Jones coming in, uh, Mac Jones is going to have a, that, a pretty good arm, it would appear, obviously, from what we've seen in college. Gonna, I think they'll start off getting the ball in, in, out of his hands quick, getting in space. And even Jacoby Myers is going to excel in that facet of the game. So uh, I look for him to be a guy that has probably 70 receptions by the season's end. So um, just, just throwing it out there, Mac Jones' first ever pass in the NFL was to Jacoby Myers, and it was a completion. I know they ruled it incomplete. I was a little upset to see that. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, he, he – his separation was was top ten last year. If you look at some of um, some of the ratings out there, his separation and his, his dominator rate, yeah, it didn't look all that great because of the stats. But you got to remember, nobody was really throwing the ball there last year. Correct. Uh, this is a guy right here. As long as they open that offense back up to passing and not just relying on Cam Newton's legs, this guy right here could thrive so much. Um, who else you got on your list here? Well, the first one I want to talk about is Terrace Marshall, uh, the rookie wideout that was added uh, to uh, the Carolina Panthers this year. Um, now, Marshall is uh, is a guy that was uh, played in L- L- LSU uh, with Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator. He's now back with Joe Brady. And uh, Joe Brady's offense last year there in uh, Carolina substantiated three top, what, 30 wide receivers last year. Yes. And Curtis Samuel – uh, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Now, Curtis Samuel is gone, who played primarily in the slot. Uh, that is now what you're going to get to see Terrence Marshall do. Uh, so, Terrence, Terrence Marshall in the slot should get a vast majority of the targets that went to Curtis Samuel. Yes, I know Christian McCaffrey missed some time, and uh, he's going he's gonna to get uh, a lot of his own catches and, or uh, targets back. Uh, but this, this is a guy in Terrence Marshall – who uh, once once he gets in there and gets a level of, of trust established with Sam Darnold, uh, you could look and see him be – I won't say he's going to go crazy, but you could have him be a, a solid flex several times this season. Uh, you know, again, six-foot-one frame uh, at the slot. That's going to be a lot, of, a lot of opportunities in the red zone for him to score touchdowns. Uh, and, again, that, that offense substantiated three top 30 wide receivers last year with arguably an upgrade at quarterback and Darnold over Teddy Bridgewater. So that's one I'm definitely keeping my eye on. And I know I didn't mention it, but he's, he's going at the uh, first pick in the 15th round. So um, right there with Jacoby. So it, he's one of the last wide receivers to have an ADP in, in most uh, uh, ADP rankings. So that's he's definitely a, a low-hanging fruit, if you will. Definitely. With, with Terrence Marshall, I've, I noticed uh, going back, I, I wasn't on the Terrence Marshall train, but his speed – and, 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 I mean, he got buried at LSU behind Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. His speed and everything, running from the slot, getting little short screen passes. He's got breakaway speed that turn a turn a three-yard pass into a touchdown with, in, in no time. So, yeah, this is definitely one guy that I'll be I'll be looking to to maybe grab late in my draft and, and just hold on to to see if, see if that breakout comes out. But, I mean, if it does and that chemistry builds, this is a guy that – you could be looking at starting in your flex once again and moving forward, just holding him there. Um, so I have one more receiver uh, that I want to talk about. 
Um, Marvin Jones Jr. out of Jacksonville has come out and just balled out this preseason, really, even though this the, the, the um, excuse me, even though the offense there in Jacksonville has looked pretty atrocious. But Marvin Jones has proven that he should be the number one there. I get it. DJ charts out. Um, but uh, Marvin Jones being drafted in the 13th round with a team that has an abysmal defense right now that's going to be throwing that ball a lot, I definitely would like to own one of those receivers. I'm obviously not going to reach for any of them. But uh, late in the draft, grabbing Marvin Jones in the 13th round, he already knows the offense. Dan Bevel came over from Detroit with him. So this guy, this guy's going to be perfectly, perfectly serviceable there um, at the, as a 13th round draft pick. And there's one thing you could say about Marvin Jones, and it's that Marvin Jones always finds a way to find himself in the end zone. He does it all the time. He's always there. It's 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 mind-boggling because you'll be you'll be watching a, a Detroit Lions game uh, if you could stay awake for it all on like a Thanksgiving day or something like that. And you look at the stats after the game, and you're like, when did Marvin Jones score a touchdown? That has to be a typo. No, he did. It just was on an uneventful play when nobody was paying attention. But Marvin Jones always has an act for the end zone. Uh, and could end up finding himself being the number one target for Trevor Lawrence. And when Marvin Jones stepped up in, in Detroit to be the wide receiver one, I mean, he finished, I believe he finished inside the top 25 last year for wide receivers. He had a couple great games that he was out there scoring two, three touchdowns. And this, like you said, he, he always seems to find the end zone. He always seems to to find the, the holes of the coverage. This, this guy right here, it, it, easily in the 13th round, is a great, great, dart throw chance to grab yeah you know uh speaking of the 13th round i'm going to talk about a, a, a sleeper tight end that i really love here uh and i was just looking up some of his stats over here blown away uh i didn't realize this guy played for tennessee didn't realize he played for st louis didn't realize he played for green bay i knew about oakland and new orleans didn't know about green bay and st louis and tennessee but it's jared cook uh, i didn't know about green bay i didn't know about st louis jared cook uh he's he's getting drafted in the 13th round at the sixth pick uh and this, he's going to be the tight end one on one of the better offenses in the National Football League there in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers. And uh, he, his, it, this is going into his 13th season, uh, age 34. So I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, why would I draft a 34-year-old tight end? Well, yeah, I can understand some of the hesitation. But uh, his last three years have been three of the best years of his career. Uh, all three years were, were his best three years in touchdowns, six, nine, and seven. Um his yards per catch were the best at 13.18, 16.4, and 13.62. Uh, and uh, he's doing all that on, like, you know, 65 and 60 targets in New Orleans. Uh, his best season ever was three years ago. He finishes the tight end five. He had 101 targets. Now, I'm not necessarily saying he's going to have that many targets, but he is stepping into uh, um, Hunter Henry's absence, where Hunter Henry was always a top value in fantasy. Uh, and, and we've got a young up-and-coming quarterback and, and Justin Herbert who seems like the real deal if he stays on that track. I don't necessarily expect to see Jared Cook have a ton of yards, uh, but touchdowns most certainly. And, it, and you're, you're talking about a guy uh, so late in the draft that if you happen to sleep on tight ends a little bit, you may grab Jared Cook and, and another one and play matchups. And as a streaming tight end option, I absolutely love Jared Cook this year. Uh, absolutely. Um He's stepping in with all the vacated targets. There was nothing really there competing with him uh, for that tight end position. Um, 
I got another tight end here. He's being he's being taken as a 17th overall tight end. Um, he had two touchdowns uh, this past weekend. He's a huge red zone threat. Pat Fearmuth, second pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. The only one really competing, the only one he's competing with is, is Eric Ebron, who's getting up there in age, and we've seen his health. He's had some injury history. Pat Fairmuth could be a guy that you, you throw a dart at late because, like you said, you slept slept on tight ends. He's a, he's a big he's a big bully, is the way I described it when we were talking about guys coming out. So he can bully his way into getting some touchdowns, getting himself some yards. We all know Big Ben's arm isn't what it used to be. He'll be able to work the middle of the field. He's a great pass blocker, so that's always good for the coaching staff and getting him involved. Pat Fiermi is a guy that I would have no problem taking with my last overall pick, especially like you said, you sleep on two tight or you sleep on tight ends, you end up wanting to grab two and seeing if one one hits. This is a guy that I would love to take a chance with. Yeah, the only thing that makes me nervous about that is Eric Ebron always finds a way to be somebody who everybody sleeps on, and then about week three they're rushing to the waivers to go pick up. Uh, he's already got a year of that offense under his belt, and uh, you know he's he's definitely uh, somebody that. Uh, uh, makes me nervous. And then also you talk about that offense um, where they they, they uh, added Najee Harris. That should be like the uh, the focal point of the offense. Um, so that that's definitely another thing that's a little bit concerning to me. But I think um, that uh, Pat Fearmuth next year would be a guy that would definitely be a lot higher on my boards. I don't know necessarily how I feel. I wouldn't want him as my tight end one, but as another like a tight end two. Maybe a Jared Cook, Pat Pyramuth combination would be pretty nice for a lot of people, uh, but um, that's that's kind of where I'm at on that. Absolutely, so, absolutely. I got one more guy that I uh, I threw in a little late. Well, when you I was get my... you get to go back to back guys, do you? Oh, I, I apologize. Yeah, yeah. I apologize. I forgot you still had one more. Yeah, I have a quarterback because I wanted to make sure I covered all bases here, um, and that's one of the great things about this podcast is. Uh, Walker's covered some guys that aren't nearly as high stretches as some of mine I've covered. So if you're an you know an average fantasy fan who's just getting back into it this time of year, we're throwing out some names that you're like, well, I didn't know nothing, anything about Trey Sermon or whatever. Or if you're somebody who does this year-round and necessarily weren't thinking about a guy like James White, we're covering all bases here. Um, but the quarterback I'm going to talk about is a guy who, uh, uh, when you say it, it's a little gross on the surface, I guess. Uh, he's being drafted in the 14th round as, as one again, one of the last quarterbacks uh, being drafted, uh, and it's it's Derek Carr, uh, and I know again like it, it's kind of a cringeworthy name, uh, but when you talk about Derek Carr and and what he's been able to do in, in his career, you know he's going into his seventh season. He's only been outside of the top. Well, he's never been outside the top twenty quarterbacks in his career. He's also never been inside the top ten. Uh, so, he, but he, he's a great streaming option, and, and this is a guy that if you if you're adamant and you're you're really gung ho about wanting to add. You know, a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson or a Trey Lance. Derek Carr is really the perfect candidate to pair with him. You know, he's got Darren Waller, who's going to catch plenty of touchdown passes. You know, he got um, John Brown in the offseason. He's got Brian Edwards, who everybody says, you know, is Randy Moss 2.0. So uh, let, let's slow the train on that one a little bit. Uh, but Henry Ruggs is still there. If Henry Ruggs is able to figure it out as that deep threat, Derek Carr's got the arm. And now they have a great pass catching back in, in Kenyon Drake. Um, and they play in a division where they're going to have to put some points on the board. Um, so I really like Derek Carr this year, again, as the, as the 14th uh, overall quarterback. And last year it's worth noting um, that he had a 3-1 to one touchdown ratio. So we talked about Jameis Winston earlier in the, earlier in the episode where it was a 1-1. <laughs> to one. Now you're talking 3-1. to one. I love a 3-1 to one guy. You want to give me a guy who's going to go 3-1 to one on touchdowns, interceptions? 
I'll start that. Please, by all means. Absolutely. This like you hit the. Absolutely, Derek Carr's a guy that, that you hit the nail on the head when you said pair him with one of the younger guys. You're Justin Fields, you're Trey Lance's, you're Zach Wilson's. Until you see what's going on there, um, I wouldn't mind having a three to one ratio, especially in the 14th round. I'm a guy that waits on QBs. So when I get down that far, I'm looking at my Tannehills, my cousins, my cars, anyone that I'm possibly going to pair, I'm going to probably grab one of those younger guys that have the upside too. But like you said, that offense is evolving. They have to put points up. With They play Herbert twice a year. They play Mahomes twice a year. And who else am I missing? Drew Locke, baby. Drew Locke, that's right. Denver. Got to put a lot Denver. of points up against Drew Locke. Absolutely. And their defense isn't anything to write home about. Um. So, well, we already talked about one of my other guys. I had Trey Lance, but we've already talked about pairing him with one of the older guys. He's a guy that I, I've loved stabbing late in the draft. Um, this running back here, Giovanni Bernard, down in Tampa Bay. I, I believe it said 15th round ADP. For some reason, I didn't write it down. Um, Bruce Arians already come out, so he's going to be a big part of the offense. We saw what Tom Brady did with James White and how he loves his third down backs. That's what he got in Giovanni Bernard. Leonard Fournette didn't show – a whole lot of pass catching last year. Ronald Jones didn't show any pass catching last year. Keyshawn Vaughn, we're still not sure if Bruce Arians even likes him. I don't, does, does Bruce Arians even know Keyshawn Vaughn's on the team? Did they- oh, I think he does because he got a touchdown, I think, week one of the preseason. Okay. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Giovanni's going to have that a loud. Kling might pick him up. I almost messaged Kling to tell him to pick him back up because he scored a touchdown. Um, but, yeah, Giovanni Bernard is a guy that's going to have a role in this offense. And he's a guy that – a bi-week fill-in, and you get in the 13th, 14th round, catching passes from Tom Brady, you're getting part of one of the best offenses in the league this year. So I have no problem taking a dart throw at this guy at all. Yeah, I I agree. Anytime you get something in a Tom Brady offense, it's always worth taking a look at. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, that's all I got for for guys. Uh, Uh, Me as well. Let's talk about some draft strategies. Um, So like Walker had mentioned and alluded to earlier, um, myself and Walker and Jason Urish. So the Fat Boys Fantasy uh, podcast team was here in the flesh, uh, and and we we sat down and came up with our big board. Like Walker had said, we're we're getting in a big money league, uh, and so we wanted to all be on the same page uh, with our rankings. So the way we kind of did it is we went like you know at each position, like we did thirty plus quarterbacks, um, bare minimum of ranking thirty uh, running back. I think you and I both ranked what forty five running backs. Yeah, um, 60 plus wide receivers and then another 30 tight ends. And the, the, what we did is the three of us got together and we talked about it. So uh, like some of the discrepancies were uh, like ETN, um, like one of us was a lot lower on ETN than the other two of us were. Um, so because of where he was at in one's rankings, which is a lot lower, it lowered him down a little bit and other names went in front of him. But again, um, we were able to, to have, you know, sophisticated conversations. So if you're going in, to the offseason as a co-owner or, or of a co-owned team, which I know we co-own. This will be two this year that we co-own. Um, yes. But we – we and we always bounce ideas off of each other as the offseason goes anyway. Uh, but when you're co-owning, it's always important to make sure you're on the same page page with your co-owner. Now, in, in, in uh, uh, single draft, when you're drafting the team by yourself, I, I take things a little bit differently. My rankings are the only ones that matter. Um, so – uh, same with you. I'm sure you don't care about my rankings at all when you're doing uh, your individual draft because if you do your research, you do your homework, you want to put your own knowledge to the test. Um, but there's there's definitely some signs and some things to watch out for 
you know, falling in love with one guy in particular and uh, having that dead set. I hear it a lot of times. I'm not leaving this draft without player X. That's great in theory, but a lot of times those are guys you don't want to reach for. Like my player X this year would be McCole Hardman. Uh, if he doesn't fall to the right spot for me, where I think there's a better value in the same round he's going in ADP, I'm not going to own him. It's plain and simple. I won't reach for a guy just because I think he's going to be good this year. I'll, I'll, I'll take proven talent over a, a gamble. I, I don't know what some of your your pet peeves are when it comes to drafts. but oh, My pet peeves, I like to sit down, and I know you do too. We've both looked at ours. We like to sit down and we like to map out our rounds on where we like to take them. My pet peeve is – I, I want to follow my rankings. So when we talked about co-owning this big league and in and, and our league last year, I wanted to make sure we had rankings going in and we followed those. And there are some big arguments. Prime example, one of the biggest ones we had at the beginning of the year, mind you, a big injury settled that argument for us. I was really high on it on, on <laughs> Cam Akers. Bo was high on Antonio Gibson. I win. We went in. We went tooth and nail about this argument, and 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 an Achilles settled it. Um, I know you and Jason had a nice argument about uh, two receivers too. I think it was Tyler Lockett and DJ Moore. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, prime example with with how people fall a little lower was uh, the Denver backfield. I believe Melvin Gordon still has a, has some type of role there. Um, I don't think they're just going to throw him to the wayside. So uh, Williams and, and Gordon fluctuated in our rankings a lot. Um, but yeah, co-owning league has honestly been one of my favorite things to do. I never really thought about it prior to last year when we first did it. It always it allows you to get that other insight too, because you look at your research and you're like, oh, okay, I like this guy, I like this guy, I like this guy. This is my order. Then you get another person in there going, well, what what's wrong with this guy? And then he's looked at different stats or he's looked at different offseason moves that, that you kind of overlook. Because a lot of times when you look at your rankings, and I don't know if you're guilty of this, you always want to you look at the high-powered offense more more times than not. James Robinson was not in a high-powered offense last year, and he's not in a real high-powered one this year. But look at the look at the work he got. That that's that that's one of the examples of of, of guys coming in. You knew James Robinson's name. I had no idea who he was really prior to. Um, Leonard Fournette being cut last year. So it's always nice to have that 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 secondary or third voice coming at you too and, and, and seeing other things. And when you're in a co-owned league, one thing I like to do is is I know that my team's Seattle, so I kind of focus more on that NFC West, NFC, the NFC. Yours is also Atlanta, so you're in the NFC too. But we we we're able to focus on different divisions. And, and really buckle down on those like four teams in there because you want to know how your team's going to do anyways. So, I mean, it's it's great that, that you get other people's mindsets in there too. And, and, and making the rankings is one of – I mean, we, we got here, what, about 1030, and I think we broke about 330. Yeah. So it was just a good time, and it's a great chance to get with your buddies. Eat some pizza. Eat some pizza, smoke drink cigars. Some, drink some sodas. Yeah, so, yeah some sodas. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I, I advise everyone if you got a good buddy that you that you're talk fantasy with year round, I advise going out and trying to find yourself a co only. Jump in, try it out. If you get in heat and arguments where you're throwing elbows and everything, you may want to get out of it. We've yet to make it that far. I'm sure one Close. day we might. 
we've thrown phones, but we've never <laughs> at each other. We've never done it. Sometimes one letter makes all the world a difference. Yeah, but again, uh, you know, just just some things to keep in mind when you're when you're doing your draft prep. Uh, because I know Walker, for you, you're the same way I am. We're officially in draft season right now. It's like Christmas for oh, me. Oh. Uh, it's all the off-seasons work and preparation, and and you know, deep diving on teams and listening to hundreds of different podcasts. And it's all coming to fruition at this point. Um, so again, I I get very excited to sit down, do my round by round rankings for my draft prep and and things of that nature. And then again, like you said, getting together and being able to voice those opinions to two other people and be like. I like this guy because of this and well I didn't think about that kind of a thing it's it's just uh it's like a political debate where people get so heated and so involved but it's about fantasy football and who doesn't love fantasy football um again and it's another excuse to get together and talk football and drink drink beer and and eat food and and all the other wholesome activities that come along with football um you know I it it definitely getting together with with you boys yesterday uh just uh further reaffirmed it in my head that here we are, it's football season. It's time to get into it. You know, we, I don't think we've ever taken an absence of football this off season, yeah. especially with having the podcast and, and uh, you know, our rookie draft for, for uh, dynasty purposes and stuff. We've, we've been more in, involved this year than ever, but it's, it's back. It's, it's time. We're almost there. We're, we're, you know, inside of the, a month and it, it, it's a great feeling. Um, so again, if, if you're some, one of those people that doesn't go as, as crazy as we do for football all year, and you're just getting back into it, it's time to start doing some research. It, it really is. Um, you know, do your rankings. Sit down and, 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 and figure out what rounds you're comfortable taking people in. Print off an ADP sheet that has, you know, 20 rounds on it and look at where they've got players and circle the ones that you're like, that's ah, way too late for this guy. Mm-hmm. And circle the ones that's way too early and, and go do some research on why you think that's too late or too early because there may be things you've missed. Absolutely. Um, one, one piece of advice that I, I do want to put out and I want to make sure – if you like a guy and you have him, if you, if you like a guy in the draft and you have him as, we'll say, a fourth-round ADP, but the expert consensual and everything else is fifth or sixth, don't hesitate to pull him. If you feel like this is going to be a breakout guy, make sure you pull that guy because if he breaks out and you didn't take him where you felt comfortable taking him and – Joe Schmo took him where his ADP was, and he breaks out that year. You're going to kick yourself all year for doing that. Yeah, that's that's a double edged sword in my in my opinion, though, because if you do leap for a guy and your your research all falls flat, and that guy's terrible, and you miss out, it's like in our in our dynasty draft last year. We'll use it as an example. There was a fellow in the league who drafted Ronald Jones in the fifth round and Keyshawn Vaughn in the sixth round. He did all of his research. Huge Tampa Bay fan thought this was just the greatest slice of a pie he could possibly get. And then uh, as soon as our draft is over, Leonard Fournette gets traded <laughs> uh, to the Buccaneers. And uh, you go back and you look at the big board on names that were still available, and this guy kicks himself religiously. He even uh, admits that it was a mistake. We all can look back at a time where we've been too in love with somebody. We've drafted them a little early, and it's bit us in the butt. Now, it's always a great feeling, and you're always – holiday. You're always <laughs> – well, like uh, my prime example, I, I leaped last year for Calvin Ridley, and I've been able to toot that horn all off season. Calvin Ridley finished as a top five wide receiver last year, took him in the third round of a dynasty. Uh, and a lot of people were like, Calvin Ridley, he's the second wide receiver in Atlanta. He just, Julio Jones just came off the board. And I had a hunch and my hunch was right. And I was able to, to you know, live off my laurels with that almost all year. 
Uh, so it is a great feeling when it goes right, but it's a horrible feeling when it goes wrong. So just make sure that if you're willing to leap for somebody, you've done that research. You know, again, I love McCole Hardman. McCole Hardman's ADP is somewhere around the 11th round right now. I'm not going to take him in the fifth round. I'm just not going to do that. Even though I love him, I'm, I'm going to draft him a lot closer. If I decide I really have to have him, the 10th round is about as early as I'd want to take him. Definitely. And, again, I can do that because I would say it's a high-powered offense, possible number three target there, like whatever. But, again, make sure you're doing your research and you have that validation so you can validate it to yourself. Definitely, definitely. Um, well, before we sign off, uh, I, if you guys are interested in getting into any leagues, money, free, hit us up. We'll try to get you pointed in there. If you're having trouble finding leagues or anything else, we'll try to get you guys pointed in the right direction. Um, our listener league's filled up. I believe we're drafting Friday, Friday. for that. Um, if we get enough of you guys um, interested in doing it, I'm more than willing to do another one. Um, so definitely hit us up if you guys are out there looking for leagues. Um, I know we have a few spots left in our big money league right now. Um, so, And, again, with it being draft season, you know, we've, we've done the – the, uh, the the health inspector rankings on a lot of these these rosters. It's time to start getting them back submitted to us again. If you're if you're drafting now and you got some you know uh, teams that you want to know about, or if you're getting ready for a draft and you're thinking, well, I'm really can't decide between Cook and Christian McCaffrey, and I've got the number one overall pick. It's Christian McCaffrey, but don't hesitate to reach <laughs> out because we'll gladly give you our rationale between which pick it should be and why we feel that way. So please don't hesitate. Reach out with any questions. Send us those rosters once you're done. And then we'll get into some start sits as the season goes on, Absolutely. too. We're always looking to, to keep uh, you guys interested in whatever we have to do, uh, you know, to uh, short of sitting in a potato sack when we when we record these. We're willing to do whatever it takes to get you guys involved. <laughs> so send us those questions. And as always, stay hungry and stay fat, my friends.